0: In you, there's no variation. There is no shadow of turning. You have always been good. You'll always be good. For you are God. We thank you. We praise you and we magnify you. Jesus, we're so thankful that you put on flesh. You paid the price that we could not pay to redeem us unto God. You paid the price for our sin, our sickness, our poverty, paid the price for our mind to be made right and our soul to be delivered from the things that would trouble it every day you paid that price that we could experience life your kind of life not life separated from you but joined to you experiencing that overflow of life as you created it to be man in relationship with you drawing from that relationship power and wisdom and knowledge and strength to live every day above the fray, above what the enemy would bring. So we thank you, Jesus, that you restored us to right standing with God by paying the price of your own precious blood. When you ascended on high, you didn't leave us here without help and without hope. You sent the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you live on the inside of each and every believer to strengthen us, to help us, to show us the way. I thank you that you are here present in this room as the anointing of God. As we come together in unity, that anointing flows over each and every member of the body to bring healing and deliverance and freedom, to bring strength and understanding. We thank you for that anointing right now, present to heal, present to deliver. We thank you in this room and those who are watching God. We thank you for divine health and divine healing. Restoration. Miracle working power. You're still the God of miracles as we've just uh, sang to you and worshiped you. You are the God who brings life to those things that are dead. We thank you. Thank you God for your strength and your goodness, your ability. Thank you for your word. We approach it tonight as it is in truth. The word of God, not the words of men. We approach it reverently, yet boldly to receive it into our hearts. As we receive it, it might make change. Jesus said if we would know the truth, the truth would make us free. Free from the lies of the enemy. That we could combat every lie with the truth that we have embraced from your word. So we thank you for utterance tonight to speak as we ought to speak, give his ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. We truly might receive from that and be equipped to go from this place, living out our life as salt and light, that others might partake of the goodness of God that is revealed in us. We give you the glory and the honor, the praise and the thanksgiving for everything that will be accomplished in every heart, every life, by your word and by your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Good evening, church. Good evening, church. How are you this evening? Man, it's a great night to be serving God. It's a great time and a generation to be serving God. Amen? Praise the Lord. Why don't you greet three or four people around you. Tell them that you're glad that they're here. Youth, you can be dismissed to your meeting. The Lord. It's good to be with you all, as you are spread all over the sanctuary. My goodness! Praise the Lord. So we're glad that you're here. <laughs> we'll just just keep moving all over from side to side. Praise the Lord. So glad that you are here and. Um, Praise the Lord. Just want to make note of a couple of things. Praise the Lord. We're we're, um, just glad I'm so uh, glad for those who ministered while we were gone. Uh, Jonathan and Shane did an awesome job while we are gone, and and we're thankful for that. Praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, we we just have so many uh, people who serve around here, and it just uh, makes everything work together uh, as the body's working together. So, you know, as you see ushers, tell them thank you. Uh, Moms and dads, when you go down uh, to pick up your kids, make sure that you tell the children's church workers thank you for all that they do, and uh, they minister to your children so you can be ministered to, and uh, they just do a great job down there, and we appreciate them so much. I just want to call your attention to, uh, you know, you can go on throughout the week and um, tune in to uh, a podcast, our podcast, which is, you know, just carrying out the Sunday service. I ran into somebody this morning. And uh, they were talking to me out just on the step, had tears in their eyes. And, you know, as a pastor, it's always great. Said, I've been a a Christian for 15 years and just living for God, but I've never heard the things that I've heard this morning. And they moved and impacted my life. Said, I'm just going to go listen to that again. I need to listen to that again. So thank God for technology that we can listen to that again. And, you know, sometimes we take it for granted. We come in, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about faith. I've heard that stuff. But, you know, some people are coming in, they haven't heard. Or they haven't heard in that way. And it's always growing. You, know, you may have heard things about faith in God. But now, you know, Jesus said this. He said, uh, as he was moving, leaving the disciples, he said, I have a lot more. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. He says, I have a whole lot more that I want to tell you. But right now, you can't bear it. Whatever station we're at, we are at our growth, sometimes, you know, some, we hear it. But we don't hear it because we're not ready to process it. And so we come through. And then he says, now you're ready. And all of a sudden, we hear it because he he has so many things he wants to tell us, and he wants us to get to the point that we're ready to hear what he's saying to us. And so you can tune into that podcast. Then you know, uh, tune into uh, J and J sowing and growing with J and J, and uh, you know they they uh, sometimes go all over the map. But one thing you know, I was uh, I was just impressed with as I was thinking about it, listening, uh, catching up on their deal. You know, uh, they have really done a great job at capturing and having on their podcast many of you. And so when you listen, you may not know it, but there's people right here in this body who have some really cool uh, things that God is doing in their business, in their life, in their family, things that they've come out of, things that God has led them into. And they're interviewing those guys, and you can not only really glean some great things from that. But all of a sudden, you can get to know people that you may not know in the body just uh, by listening to that podcast. So, uh, you know, tune into that podcast. Go and listen to what they're, what they're saying, who they're interviewing. Uh, they have their own time where they don't have a guest, and they, they have things that they want to share. And so... Praise the Lord. You can be a part of that. If you weren't here this morning or weren't uh, prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, I want to give you an opportunity to give. If you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, um, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. Give them by text. The number is up there. If you're watching, you can go online on our website. Uh, push the give button and uh, participate in giving. We're always thankful for your generosity, all that God is doing what he's done. Uh, Just a slight report. I need to, next week, get the pictures and give them to you in the uh, short testimony video that we have. But in Romania, we just uh, found out on Facebook uh, last night that uh, uh, World Outreach Church, Mark and Janet Brzee, are sending a team to Romania. They have so much going on that they're having to expand their facilities to hold the refugees that are coming through. And so, uh, man, you know, you all, while we're generous to give, we're going to find out more if there's more opportunities that you, you can. Um, but they're taking in, we talked to you just a little bit last week, uh, the Hankins were here, so we didn't expound on it and take their time. But uh, they are bringing in, many people cannot handle uh, the handicapped people or Uh, um, People with disabilities, and they're bringing those into their facility. One of the videos that they showed us, a bedridden mother, uh, their their daughter is testifying, saying thank you uh, to people who have uh, been a blessing and given, and her dad, her elderly dad is there, and so they're taking in just about everybody they can. They're coming through hundreds by the week, and they're feeding them, they're clothing them, they're praying with them, Uh, they're seeing people receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and so uh, that connection that we have, but there's many other connections, and so we continue to pray uh, concerning the believers in Ukraine and all of the countries that surround uh, that the, the nation of Ukraine where refugees are coming out. Um, man, the believers in those nations and the support that's coming from the church all over the world is helping all those refugees. You guys had a just a, a big part in helping the church there in Romania um, help refugees, and so your generous giving is impacting all over the world, and so we're thankful for that, and uh, we'll try to get together a good report uh, next week so that, you know, a little bit more lengthy, and uh, I have gaps in this report. I'm just trying to tell you that uh, things are going on. It's the, the refugees are coming out moving through, and so don't forget to pray for the churches that are supporting them. Pray for, certainly, the, the people who are uh, moving out. They've lost their home. They've lost everything. Be praying for them, be praying just concerning uh, the darkness to be pushed back, everything to be stopped. We were praying this week, you, you may or may not agree or understand, but as we were praying in the spirit, I just know that I know, you know, sometimes people are saying, is this, is this the end, is this this time? It's not time, right? And we have the authority to push back darkness. What the time is, because Jesus isn't coming until the gospel is preached around all the world. And he's prophesied that there will be a time of great harvest that the church will rise up. Now is not the time for darkness to take over. Now is the time for the church to stand up, to pray, to push back, the church to arise, to display and to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world. Then, right, so you can get down and go, man, things are bad. Is this it? Is this all? the? No, it's not time yet. It's still our time to rise up and to be the light of the world. Amen? So we can do that by proclaiming. We can do that by giving. We can do that by sharing. We can do that by praying a number of different ways that we can rise up and have an impact, not only in our community, but all over the world. And y'all are awesome at that. uh, And so we thank you for that. Amen. Praise the Lord. We ready? Father, we thank you for every opportunity that we have to give, our giving and receiving. Uh, declares our faith in you, the covenant that we have, that everything that we have belongs to you. And in that covenant, everything you have belongs to us. There's a divine and great exchange. And so we get an opportunity to uh, display and to return to you from the things that you've blessed us with. And then that begins to cause the gospel uh, to be moving and spreading, not only in our community, but in our region, in our nation and throughout the nations of the world uh, for that we are grateful, and we declare that because of this seed sown, not only there will there be produce in the lives of individuals right here, but there will be the precious fruit of the earth, souls saved into the kingdom of God because of our giving. We don't understand it, but the seed that we sow financially sends ministries out, and it reaps harvest of souls saved into the kingdom of God. We are thankful for that in Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and pass those buckets. Open your Bibles with me to Romans, the fifth chapter. On Sunday night, we've been going through the book of Romans, and certainly it's a it's a big book. There's a lot to tackle here, and so you know, as we started off, Paul really begins in chapter one to, to embrace the church at Rome, and and you know, he said, I desire to come to you that we might have an exchange of faith, and that he might impart spiritual things. Then he goes on to explain how sin is run rampant and why it does, and how people in their own carnal thinking think themselves to be wise, but it's a lower way of thinking. I'm just encapsulating. You can read it. He gave them over to a debased mindset because they insisted on on many different things that were contrary to God. He said, they know God. You can't, you're without excuse if you look at the world and you look at creation. And he says, every single person, when they stand before God, will be without excuse that God existed. God displays it all over in the universe, in his creation, that there is a God, there is a creator. He says, so there's a, 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 a knowledge that God exists, but they refuse to retain God in their thinking. And so instead of thinking there is a God, who is he, how can we embrace him and what he's doing for us? We begin to think we got this all figured out and we can figure it out. And so we engage in sexual immorality, homosexuality, all the things that go on and think, wow, we have really broadened our thinking. But he said, actually, it's a lower way of thinking that he, he gives them over to because they insist upon it. Not because he wants to, but because they insist upon it. And so that's where we have to be careful and understand where the darkness encroaches and where it troubles people is because their mindset. We're not talking about hatred against people. We're just saying things happen. God doesn't hate anybody. God loves everybody. And God wants everybody to know that love and love him. But if they insist on thinking their own way, God's not going to force them. And so he lets us know a lot of things are going on because we think higher. it's higher, but it's really lower. You know, if you just insist on thinking in a lower way and somebody's teaching you higher and you're like, I don't want to think higher, I want to think lower, well, nobody can make you think higher. But if you're thinking lower, you're going to get lower. If you think higher, you're going to get higher. So he explains where this is coming from. Then he says, listen, it doesn't matter. Don't be judging people who are there. And you still are thinking lower and acting lower. So he says, here's how it perpetually goes. And then he explains to us in Romans chapter three that there is a need for every man to know the righteousness of God. Because everybody has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so he, he tells us our need for righteousness and then in chapter 4, he tells us how we come upon this righteousness is not by our own works, by what we can conjure up, by what we can do, good or bad. It doesn't make a difference. It's what Jesus has done for us. We access that by faith. So he said this is the faith of Abraham, right, how we don't do it by works of the law. Nobody, if you try to do it yourself, you can't attain that. And still, even this day in, in the church, we know that, but yet we're still trying to say, I think I've been good enough. I think maybe, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect, but at least I'm better than some other people, right? And so we we start to get this mindset, if we're not careful, I am really a good person. I try really hard, and I know I'm not perfect, but God, I, I try really hard to be good. That should merit something with God. Well, in that statement, we just revealed everything Paul is telling the church at Rome. You can try as hard as you want and never be good enough to attain the righteousness of God, yet we still keep trying. I try real hard, and I'm better than some people, and I'm worse than other people, but I'm trying really hard. And God says, just get that out of your thinking. I sent Jesus to die for you. That if you'll receive him into your life by faith, not by what you've done, I'll flip the tables. And so often that we're not understanding how this power of faith works. And so once we understand it's not by what we do, but by what Christ has done for us. And he ends the, 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 the end of chapter 4, he says that Jesus was crucified because of our sin or our offenses, and he was raised from the dead because of our need for justification. Praise the Lord. He died to pay for our sin. He was raised to give us redemption or justification or proclaimed righteous, right? Through faith in God, not through anything that we had done, but through faith in God. And so he comes out of that thinking into verse 1, and he says, therefore, having been justified by faith, therefore, having been justified by faith, not because we've been so great or so perfect, but because we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, here's, here's the key. And Paul, you know, writers, of uh, 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 the Greek language scholars said, listen, this is one of the greatest introductions. Paul is about to uh, uh, state this. He's been leading up to this. And he says, now I want to introduce you to peace with God. It's like he sets it up, you know, if you, if you were going to introduce somebody to a dignitary or, or bring somebody into a great and wide room, it's, you don't just let them walk in, you, you begin to say, now listen, we're about to go in here and I want to introduce you to something that is phenomenal, Right? You have a gatekeeper. You have somebody who opens the door, says, you know, it's all closed, and say, get ready because you're about to walk into something phenomenal, right? Or I'm about to introduce you to somebody that is really something. You know, when we get casual about it, say, well, I should just walk up. No, you can't get near them. But he says, listen, because of the blood of Jesus Christ and because of justification that comes from faith in the blood of Jesus, let me introduce you to open up to you peace with God. Come on, understand this. Without Jesus Christ, not one person has peace with God. We talk about relationship, but that's what it is. If you don't understand truly peace with God, you don't understand the relationship that we have through justification by the blood of Jesus. You always stand outside and say, well, I'd like to have a little bit deeper relationship with God. I'd like to really be better with God, but I got these problems. He says, no, it's not all about that. It's about understanding what Jesus Christ did. And if you put faith in Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus has washed you and cleansed you. And the moment he does, that separation where God's wrath was set upon the disobedience of Adam... Come on, there will be a day of judgment of Adam's sin that spread throughout all all mankind. There will be a judgment because man is separated from God. He doesn't know peace with God. He only is looking towards the wrath of God whether he knows it or not. And that's why there's such fear even in people, even in believers that don't understand. There's like, what's going to happen? But when you have peace with God, so he said by that justification, we have peace with God. Just enter into peace with God. And understand this, there's a difference of terminology here, but he's talking about peace with God, not the peace of God. So what he's telling us that peace with God is a matter of justification. The peace of God is a matter of sanctification. The peace with God is settled once and for all by faith in the blood of Jesus. Once and for all, once you receive what Jesus has done for you in your heart, you have peace with God. Relationally, positionally, you have peace with God. But listen, you can be going through life and not have the peace of God. That's why he says it's a matter of constant sanctification. When trouble comes, he said, don't get anxious. Don't get out of peace with God. But because of your relationship with God, throw aside those things that are bringing anxiety. And as you pray and enter into that relationship that you have, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. The peace of God is a matter of setting aside and sanctification. The peace with God is a matter of your justification. Come on, there's a confidence that says, not a confidence, obviously, that says, well, I can just sin if I want to then, because I'm in relationship with God. No, that relationship with God, the justification, the thing you could not pay to get that he paid to get, there's great honor and understanding that because I have this peace with God, I'm in this relationship with God. There's some things that are happening. And he goes on through that. He says, verse 2, he says, Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So he says, listen, we have peace with God. And so he said, because of that, then through this peace with God, through Jesus Christ, we have faith into this grace. This grace. This unmerited favor that God gives us, this ability that only comes from God, this divine influence upon our heart through this relationship that reflects out in our life, it's by this faith in him that we already stand in this grace. So many people are praying, God, if I could just get some more ability. It's like, if I understand and have confidence in what Jesus did, I'm already standing in grace. Come on, to wake up every single day and know that you are favored by God. You are favored by God. It opens up doors that you can't even believe. I'm favored by God. You don't get up and wonder, did I do things good enough? And, and what's today going to be like? I'm favored by God. Because I'm favored by God and I step into places that God has opened up doors of favor. Then there are places that otherwise I could not step into. Right? Whether it's emotional, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, whether it's engaging with people that I never thought I could, there's doors that are opened by God that 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 we step into. There's access that we step into because of the favor of God. Just God's opened it up to us because He favors us. But that means He opened up something bigger than us. So when we realize, whoo, man, I'm stepping into this place, God opened that door. Now watch what I can do. You're probably gonna get But that grace is big, so it's like, wow, God's favored me to open this up, but it's bigger than me. So I need that other aspect of grace. God, I can't do this on my own. You put me in this place. You've opened this door. I need your power. And now we know I'm empowered. I have confidence in in not my strength, but God's strength. And now I know you brought me here. To reflect an influence, to reflect what the Holy Spirit has done for me and is doing in me, what he wants to do through me to influence lives around me. It's all encompassed in this grace, not that we're trying to get, but this grace in which we stand. He's trying to sell you. Your whole life has been changed by the blood of Jesus. And faith in that blood has not only justified you, given you peace with God, but now that you have peace with God, get ready for things to start to open up in a greater manner, to put faith in everything that he's done for you and everything he is going to do for your future to influence others with his life. And his goodness, for it's his goodness that leads men to repentance. He says, so we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. He said, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And so turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. In verse 25. This is what he says. He said this. He's speaking of his own ministry. He said, "...of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints." He said, listen, from the ages of time since Adam fell, God has been working a mystery, a mystery. Through the apostles, through the prophets, through the the, the the bringing forth, through Abraham and all the heroes of faith that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11, something was working that people didn't see, that the the, the, the rulers of this age, that the devil didn't even see, God was working underneath. It was a mystery what God was going to do through Jesus Christ. Bible says, had the rulers of this world known, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, there's something that people were wondering about what God was prophesying. What were the prophets prophesying? What were they saying? This Messiah was supposed to come, and they thought it was going to come in natural terms. They thought they had it figured out, but God had it in a mystery what was going on. He said, now... Through Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, and the mystery that God showed, revealed, and pulled back to Paul. He said, I've given you this this ministry to open up the mystery. In verse 27, it says, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among even the Gentiles, right? They thought it was just for the Jews. And now he says this. This is the mystery hidden from ages, hidden in generations. What's the mystery? Everybody's like, what's the mystery? This is it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Man lived throughout the whole idea of the law and the prophets, struggling with sin in his life, couldn't figure out what in the world was going on, but all the while, God was working to remove the stain of sin and cause us To really understand that now it wasn't just going to be us with God, but God in us. Come on, it's a big difference. Religion says there's a God out there and I'd like to know him. God says this goes way beyond religion. I'm out there, but I'm going to come and live on the inside of you. Come on, when he's living on the inside of you, it changes everything. He says we get to rejoice in the hope of the glory and the splendor and the majesty and the disposition of God Himself. (laughs) I'm preaching better than your amen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. All right, let's go on to the next verse. Come on. It's a mystery hidden from the ages, which means, you know, just a little lack of excitement just to tell you. I know you don't have to run around the room. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, listen, all of a sudden when the mystery, when whatever the veil is comes off of your eyes, you'll go, wow. All this God-creative power in this itty-bitty living space. Come on, the glory, the splendor, the majesty of the creator of the universe himself saw fit to live inside of you. He created you from the very beginning. He created man to have fellowship and relationship knit together with man, and sin broke that. And from the moment sin broke that, God said, listen, I'm going to sin a man, and he's going to crush your head. And you're going to bruise his heel. He declared to the devil, the moment Adam sinned, God came down and he told the devil, your days are numbered. I have a plan. And from that time, man and the devil kept trying to figure out that plan. And that plan opened up and it was revealed in the death, the burial, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. And the enemy thought, I'll kill this guy right here and put an end to it. But what he did is he started something that he'll never be able to stop. When he crucified Jesus and God raised him from the dead, God opened up to every single person life free from the domination of the devil's sin and righteousness with God. Come on, that's no small thing. The very God of the universe lives on the inside of us, and he says, I want you to know that. I want you to yield to that. I want to transform you and bring out the very splendor and majesty and kingship I, was cre- I created you to live in. Come on, when he says we rejoice in the hope, the expectation of the glory of God. Paul was rejoicing. He didn't care if he was in prison or standing preaching to the church. He was rejoicing in the revelation, the mystery that had been hidden from the ages, being revealed to generations until Jesus came again. We have the great privilege of standing up and being the light of the world, showing the splendor of God himself coming through us in a newness of life. Yeah. That's good preaching. Praise the Lord. All right. I'm getting I'm getting a little loud. It's about to get loud. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 17. He says, "Now the Spirit, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty." Other translation says, "Now the Spirit is Lord." The Spirit is Lord. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where is the Spirit of the Lord? He lives in you. It's part of the mystery. He said, but we all with unveiled face. He's just talked about, you know, uh, uh, Moses came down with, with the commandments from God. He'd been in the presence of God. And so when he came out in the presence of God, people said, put something on your face. You're shining with the glory of God. And he said, because of the sin of man, since the day that Moses came off of the mountain with the commandments of God, he said, there's a veil on people's face. In other words, the mystery of the commandment continued to be over people's face. He said, but now Jesus Christ has been revealed. So the veil has been taken off. We see in light of the old, we see the new. We see what the old was pointing to. It wasn't pointing to the law. It was pointing to grace in Jesus Christ. You see, so now the mystery's been revealed. Now we with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Man, when we see what Jesus has done, it's like a reflection. This is who I am. This is who God's made me to be, not who I'm trying to be. See, when we look at this and we go, well, i got to try harder, he says, no, no. You're just drifting back to the law and what you think you can do. But all of a sudden, we look with unveiled face. We behold the glory, the splendor, the majesty of the king in us. And he says, if we'll behold that glory, we are being changed, transformed. You know, we get to the place of, you know what, well, we want a good teacher. We, we want a good message. We want uh, uh, good information. Or we want good preaching. We want good inspiration. That'll help me. If I have good information, that'll help me. He says, if, if, if I have good inspiration, that'll help me. It's all good. But what he's shooting for is transformation. He doesn't want us to go through Sunday after Sunday and go, wow, that was a good message. Oh, I can't remember it. He says, I want you to start looking into the word of God and see the truth of righteousness, see the truth of redemption, see that you're no longer the old man, no longer your sin holding you back, but I've come and set you free from sin and I've filled you with the fullness of all that I am. And when you see that, there is a splendor and a glory that begins to be revealed. And when we recognize that, he says, we're being changed into the same image. When you get born of the spirit, the old man separated from God dies out. A new man is born on the inside. Your spirit is made alive unto God. And he said, when you know that, the splendor, the glory, the Spirit of God has now come to live on the inside of you. And when you recognize that, he's changing you into the same image. Well, Jesus was the Son of God. He was the Son of God that gave his life so we could be sons and daughters of God said he's always working all through the new testament paul said put off the old man because there's a new man that is created in the likeness and the image of him who created him he's working that transformation so we don't look like who we used to be we don't look like just mere men struggling with life how many of you think jesus struggled with life man jesus seemed to handle everything that came He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet he didn't struggle and fall into sin. He lived without sin, even though he was tempted every way that we are. He said, listen, Jesus overcame. Jesus was victorious. Jesus reigned in life. He wasn't overcome by life. And he says, I want you to be changed into the same image where you reign in life. You overcome when the enemy comes. The same image, the same glory, the same Power, He said, I want to change you from one degree of glory to the next, even as by the Spirit of God. Come on, there's a hope. We wake up in the morning and rejoice. Something's going on on the inside of me. God is at work in me to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's working something of the glory of God in me today. Come on. All right, turn back to Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five. So he goes on to say this. He says, "This is pretty, pretty powerful stuff, pretty potent stuff. He says, "Not only that." Speaking them, he says, "Not only that, but we glory." It's a different word, glory. It just, it means that we actually, it's a glory, we, we boast, we, we, we exalt, we get excited about. He said, we glory in tribulation. That word tribulation means trouble. So we're like, whoo, praise the Lord. You know, whether it's Sunday, Monday, whoever you listen to, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But Monday, it's like, Monday, Monday, can't trust that day. Sunday was great, and then Monday. Why does Monday have to come? He said, listen, when we get a hold of the glory of God, we glory in Monday (laughs) or Tuesday or Wednesday. We we boast, hey, trouble's coming. He said, why? Paul said, "I, I understand now that there is a cycle, and without that cycle, I'll never understand truly the glory and the power of God. But when I have an expectation of the glory of God, not me struggling in my own mind, my own strength, but when I realize I've been justified, and by that faith I've been moved over from the law and all of its penalty into grace and all of its strength and benefit, man, I'm rejoicing because the glory and the splendor of God is there. Question, wait a minute, that all sounds good. Pause. But we gotta go out side of here today and have you seen the world lately there's trouble he says if we believe all that we're all right with trouble as alan said today you know we don't really understand trouble paul's talking to the roman church about trouble i don't know if you know this or not but they had some trouble the first century church in rome if they found out you were a christian Many were used to light the Colosseum. In other words, they were wrapped with tar and lit on fire. Now, that's a little bit of trouble. Whether or not your clothes are so 80s or not is not that much trouble. Right. But here's what we want to understand. Wherever you're in trouble, wherever it's challenging your faith, there's trouble. He says. but listen, when we go out in the world and we understand we still have grace in the glory of God, then we're all right with trouble. Why? Because we know that this trouble that comes is producing a fortitude or a perseverance in me. This fortitude, this endurance, this word that Paul used wasn't one that says we're just waiting until we get over this. It's not one that lays down and lets the floods of trouble just go over. No, it's a fortitude that stands up and says, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm going to end up on top of this trouble. It's not going to end up on top of me. I'm going to triumph over this trouble. This trouble is not going to triumph over me. no matter what it is, it's not going to take me down or out. Why? How can you say that? How could Paul say that? How could Paul say, I'm, I'm really rejoicing in tribulation right there? He said, man, I was asking God to take this messenger of Satan from me that was buffeting me. And, God, and Jesus said, my grace is sufficient. He said, "Woo." If your grace is sufficient, then I'll glory in my weakness that the strength of God might be manifest in my life. Why would we say, wow, why would I glory or why would I look at trouble with a positive attitude? Because once you understand the grace of God, you look and say, you know what? A week ago, that trouble would have knocked me down. And if I was just relying upon my own strength and my own life and my own ability, it would take me down this week. But I got a revelation this week that I'm standing in the grace of God. And so you can't take me down this week. So you might come, and I might not be over it this week, but I'm standing in the grace of God, and I'm going until we overcome. He said this tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, hope, expectation, of everything that God's done for me. Because I'm standing in the grace of God, because of what Jesus has done in the midst of trouble, I'm coming out the other side. The devil cannot win. In the end, he cannot win. And so I have a hope and an expectation. And he says, our hope does not make us ashamed. Our hope does not disappoint us. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. He said, listen, I'm not afraid to have the expectation that God puts in my heart. Well, you can't do this. I know I can't. Well, you think God will do it for you? What do you think? You think God's going to do it? Well, sure I do. Well, that's just silly. Well, think it's silly, but I know that God loves me. I know that if he sent Jesus to die for me, how would he not with him freely give me all things? That if I'll stick with him and believe him through times of trouble, he'll bring me out the other side why? Because he's already brought me out of sin and darkness. Come on, the sin that was killing me, he already redeemed me from. So if he could raise Jesus from the dead and deliver me from my sin, certainly, whatever trouble I'm in right now, he can bring me through. Just saying. Just Come on, now he explains it just so we'll get it. And I'm not sure about this. So, verse six, he says, For when we were still without hope or without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Come on, he says, He's explaining. Come on, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. Now he's going to explain the love of God. He said, You were, when we were without strength, in other words, we couldn't do it for ourselves, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps or maybe, right? Well, if you're good enough and you're righteous, maybe somebody would die for you. And if you're a good person, perhaps somebody would give their life, right? But God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't earn it. We didn't even know he loved us that much. How do we get in that spot of going, thank you, God, for loving me. I received Jesus. And then tomorrow we're like, oh, my God, I can't get through this problem. Maybe God is punishing me with this problem. Listen, if he wouldn't allow you to be punished by Adam's sin, why is he going to punish you for a mistake that you make? When you understand that, I know people just get freaked out. Well, then you're just telling people they can go make a mistake. Listen, we all make mistakes. We need to know the love of God. But once you embrace the love of God, you make fewer and fewer mistakes. Why? Because you have grace. He empowers you to overcome. Verse 9, much more. Somebody say, much more. Because from this point on, we have a lot of much more. Much more than... Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We'll be saved from wrath through him, from that judgment of God upon sin. God is going to judge sin we escape through the righteousness of God. We escape the wrath that will come upon sin. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son much more. Somebody say much more. (laughs) Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. He said, listen, if when you were without his life, he died for you, how much more of the fullness of salvation will we experience through his life? Wow. And not only that. Paul's like, come on, this is just gets better and better and better. Thank you for your enthusiasm, and not only that, but we also rejoice. He's like that. We rejoice in the glory of God. We rejoice in tribulation. We are just a rejoicing people. <laughs> we were just in a conference, and uh, a guy that had never been in a conference like that came in, and he said. I have never seen so many happy people. Actually, I think he said, I've never seen so many happy Christians in all of my life. <laughs> now, that's a sad scenario for the rest of the Christians. I've never seen so many happy Christians. But Paul is saying, Paul, who was beaten <clears throat> with 39 stripes, what, five times, shipwrecked, stoned and left for dead, He said, I rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I rejoice in glory in tribulation. And he says, and not only that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. He said, now we get down to it. We should rejoice because we are reconciled, made right, put in right relationship with God through faith in him. That's how much God loved us. Said so now I'm going to explain to you how all this happened and what God did about it. Right? He's just talking. I like five, six, seven, and eight. You know, if you if you play golf, which some of you don't, and this won't make any sense to you, but if you ever watch a golf tournament, you know they have these big, great courses, and there's three or four holes that are the signature of that golf course. So they always talk about them. They're either the toughest holes or just the, the but they're signature holes. I think Romans five, six, seven, and eight are the signature chapters of Romans. They really get down to the place where, you know, in that, they're like, here's four holes where they can really catch up and they can really run and and catch the leader right here. If there's an opportunity, it's in these signature holes. If we're really going to grasp a hold of what God did in Christ, these four chapters are like signature chapters for us to move ahead in our life and move ahead with God in the righteousness of God. So he says, therefore... Just as through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. He said, listen, there was one man, Adam. I created him. He was perfect. I told him to reproduce himself in all men. That was the whole divine plan. He was the prototype of all man. He gave him authority over everything, told him, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you will die. You will be separated from my life. And he told him, you be fruitful, you multiply, you fill the earth. But what he knew and understood is that his offspring would be like him. We're like, I didn't sin. Well, I better read it on. I'll get, uh, get ahead of myself. Verse 13, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is, in a, who is a type of him who was to come. In other words, Jesus was called the second Adam, and Adam came, he was made perfect, yet he sinned. He was really the man that was a prototype to fulfill the earth with the life of God throughout humanity, but he sinned, and his sin spread to everybody right yep. and so just you know maybe a, a simple analogy of that that will help you is is Adam was created in righteousness, so you know if you are Living in Colorado, you're a Coloradoan. But if you're fixing to have kids, and you move before those children are born to Texas, then your children are Texans. So Adam moved from a state of righteousness to a state of unrighteousness through sin. So all of his offspring were born in the state of sin. That's how it spread to all men. You're like, I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing to deserve this. Well, you didn't have to. You were born into it. But God knew that and did something about it. So well, I don't deserve that. Well, no, but God did something about it. See, we don't want to get into what we deserve or we don't deserve. Thank God we're not going to get what we deserve because of the blood of Jesus. So I didn't do nothing. Adam did it. It's not fair. But listen, wait a minute. When we think not fair, our mind, especially in our culture today, about fair is just messed up. So what he's about to explain to it, I'm getting ahead of myself. But God's super fair. He's always fair and just. He set up that through one man... He held one man responsible for sin spreading to all men. Now, if he held one man responsible, if there's only one way into sin and death, that was the uh, the sin of Adam, then if he said, well, you can get out of this in whatever way you want, that wouldn't be fair. But he said, through one man, sinned into the world. So I sent one man, Jesus Christ, to get everyone out. God said, it's totally fair. One man got you into this, one man will get you out of it. So, but I didn't do anything to get in, I didn't do anything to get into sin, and you didn't do anything to get you out of sin. <laughs> Thank God you didn't die on the cross. See, the devil messes with our mind. Well, I don't deserve this, I didn't do anything. No, you didn't do anything to get into sin, and you didn't have to do anything to get out of sin. sin Adam got you into it, Jesus got you out of it, but you got to believe. Jesus got you out of it. Not that you don't deserve it, not that you should be good enough and fine enough and better than other people. No, he said, you didn't get into this, you can't get out of it. God did something totally fair. The devil tries to make people think, no, no, you should be able to choose. That would be fair. No, that would be unfair if you got to choose whatever you wanted. And really, you would just make the wrong decision. God was just smart enough to say, if I let you choose who you wanted to be your savior, you'd pick some athlete. And they just couldn't cut it. So I sent Jesus. All right, verse 15. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense, many died, much more. Somebody say much more. (laughs) Much more. In other words, God's not just getting us back to zero. He's going to take us beyond. He said, much more, praise the Lord, the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ abounded to many. Verse 16, and the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Come on. Adam's sin judgment came upon the earth. And then there were many offenses after that. But Jesus bore all of our offenses, and he raised from the dead, which resulted in justification. Sin brings condemnation. You know, people caught in sin, and they get around people, and certainly there's people who have pointed the finger at people. But sometimes you just come in, come into church, come in where the word of God is preaching, and you're like, wow, they're just judging me. I feel so bad. Well, you have to realize if nobody said anything to you, Nobody's judging you. But sin itself brings judgment or condemnation. When you know that I'm not right with God, I'm not doing what's right. If you know that you're not born again, you all of a sudden feel like, wow, people are looking at me. People, I know I did this, so I think you must be judging me. But if I ask you, did you even know the sin that I committed this week? No, then how could he be judging me for it? Well, I know, but I feel Right, because sin carries with it condemnation. Aren't you glad for Jesus? Because listen, righteousness, his righteous act brought justification. So even if I make a mistake, I go to him and ask for forgiveness so I don't live under condemnation because of the blood of Jesus, my faith in him. And so I can grow Because even though I make mistakes, I bring it to him, and he cleanses me, so I keep growing. But without him, I can't keep growing because that sin has already condemned me. So sin tries to get you to point the finger at other people, so you'll never make the change of heart you need to make. When all of a sudden we realize, ah, it's that sin working on me, not people. God forgive me. Whew. No more condemnation. Now I can step up and step out. Amen. Praise the Lord. We better keep reading. The free gift resulted in justification. Verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned, through the one, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Come on. He's just telling us, he'll tell us in Romans chapter 6, he said, listen, after you're born again, if you go ahead and give your members, your, your body as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, sin will once again enslave you right, it will reign over your thoughts, it will reign over your conscience, it will reign over your life, it'll start to dictate how you respond. And that's what it did before Jesus. But it says sin began to reign over your life. But he said when you receive Jesus, when you receive this gift of righteousness, and you receive this abundance of grace in which you stand You begin to reign when sin comes and says, this is what you want to do. You say, not anymore. You used to reign over me and tell me I'm doing it. You're doing it. You're having that drug. You're having that drink. You're having that worry. You're having that stress. You're just having it. Like it or not, you're having it. And it reigned over you. How many times do you say, I can't stop worrying? That's just the way I am. I can't stop. Can't stop gossiping. Can't stop. Can't stop. Well, then it's raining over you. It's different if you say, I don't want to stop. I'm all right with sin. Then you need Jesus. (laughs) But sometimes even as Christians, we're like, we can't stop, which means it's raining over us. But he says, "If you'll go ahead because it'll rain over you as long as you're trying to do it in your own strength. But when you receive the gift of righteousness, I've been made right with God. And the abundance of grace. Now I start to reign over it. When it comes and says, "We're going down this direction," no, I'm not. Now listen. The moment you're tempted to gossip, and you actually say, "No, I'm not gossiping today," that's not the life of God. And you don't gossip. You just reign over sin. The moment you're tempted to worry. The moment you're tempted, you're trying to quit. I'm going to, uh, you know what? It's a bad day. I'm going to go ahead and take that drink. The enemy wants you to do that. Say, so, no, it's a stressful day, but I'm relying on God. And you don't. You just rain. Come on. We try to make it really difficult and super spiritual. It's just a matter of I'm living from the inside and that unction on the inside by the Spirit of God and the strength that I've received. And through that relationship, I check with Him first. He says no, I say no. He says yes, I say yes. Because I'm in right relationship with Him. You'd like to reign over life a little bit more instead of life reign over you. Praise the Lord. He says this is available. Verse 18, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life or redemption, being bought out of sin into the presence of God. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners So also, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. One for one. One man got us into this. One man got us out. But the one man that got us out brought us into so much more than sin got us into. So Lobach's translation is really the one that we confess before we leave. It turned into our benediction. This is right here. If you were wondering where, why we say that every week, it's the Bible. He sums this all up by saying what God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds, how much more? Far exceeds any damage inflicted by Adam's fall. So when Adam fell, sin spread to us. But what Jesus did to bring us out of sin was so much more than what Adam did to get us into sin. Because when Adam sinned, he was on the earth in relationship with God. But when we came out and accepted Jesus, we're not just walking with God. God is in us. How much more. Verse 20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Say, what? He'll explain it a little bit later. He was saying, listen, where there was no law to show up sin, it couldn't be imputed. In other words, it couldn't be realized that I'm a lawbreaker, yet sin or disobedience was reigning over men's life. Men were still separated from God. They just didn't know it. They were enemies of God. They just didn't know it. But when the law came and said, this is how God created you to live, you're like, I can't live that way. And so if you look at it at face value, when the law was bad because it showed up sin and there was a penalty for sin, no, it had to come, otherwise we wouldn't see, I can't do that. I need a savior. And so sometimes, you know, Paul wrote this, one writer said this, said, we get in, by the law, we got this impression that God somehow was a tyrant and really trying to... Uh, uh, judge us all because of the law, and then Jesus came and changed God's attitude towards us. No, just Jesus coming revealed that God has always loved mankind, and through Jesus released the expression of that love so that even though the law showed up we couldn't sin, it made us aware that we needed Jesus, and he sent Jesus so that in that awareness we would accept him, not the law. He said, for where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So come on, sin was reigning over you. But grace uh, overcomes that. And through righteousness, eternal life springs forth. It just keeps springing forth. That was God's plan. God's plan. Amen. So listen, he said, Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. They said, should we sin that grace should abound? He's like, man, you missed the point. I wasn't bringing it narrow. He said, sin already abounded. Sin was already abounded. It spread to all men. But in Jesus Christ, grace did much more abound. So wherever sin seems like it's spreading, grace or revelation of Jesus brought into the picture, grace will much more abound. So that we can reign in life, not be reigned over in life. Amen. Amen? Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, its truth, and its life. We thank you for the revelation, the understanding of what we have in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask you to make it alive to each and every one of us. Make it real for everyday life as we go from this place, that we will remember that when the enemy comes to try to rule over our life in areas that we know are wrong, that we stand up and say, no, I'm standing in grace because Jesus is my Lord. He's my Savior. He's empowered me to overcome and reign over these situations of life not be reigned over by them. Yes. That I truly might experience a victory from a battle that I didn't fight that you fought. That I might experience your true victory in my life every single day over the strategy of the enemy. And where we've made mistakes show us that we can just come boldly to you. Admit our mistake. You wash us and cleanse us and restore us to right relationship. So every day we can move forward and grow out of those mistakes into the very person, and the very uh, relationship that you have designed for us to live in. Holy Spirit, anoint us, strengthen us for this very purpose, that we truly might not just have a reflection, but be a reflection of all that you are and all that you have for humanity. That the people that we come in contact with will know your goodness as they've seen it in us. And they'll come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. And in doing so, they're set free from that sin. And they embrace a relationship, personal relationship with you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand up? Yes.